Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Liz Cost. She is co-founder and CEO of Fog and Tree. We're going to talk to her about the work that they're doing in the cannabis space, really looking at the botanical side of things and understanding how to really bring in kind of infusions, aromatherapy, you know, cannabis is this wonderful plant that has all these different kind of components and terpenes and capabilities. And I'm always fascinated to talk with people who are kind of looking beyond just the THC you know, aspect of cannabis about what else can you do, because it really is a multifaceted, very powerful plant. So excited for the conversation with that. Welcome to the program, Liz. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Super yeah. excited. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So let's do a little background first before we kind of get into the work that you're doing today. You know, professionally, what were you doing? How did you get into cannabis? Tell us a little bit of the backstory. Sure. So my career started in the alcohol industry. I worked for Beam Centauri for a number of years and then moved to a wine company in Northern California. And 2015 
cannabis was really starting to become an industry. And so my co-founder and I decided it was time to start a design studio. Uh, he was a friend of mine, known him for many, many years. So both designers by trade, we started a design studio that specialized in cannabis branding and packaging design. And we ran that studio from 2015 to 2018, when the Hemp Farm Bill Act was signed. And we thought, wow, you know, we've launched well over a hundred cannabis brands in yeah. the in the space and, and we'd started off in the illicit market. So we had uh, sort of lived through legalization, which was painful, but um, having come from a regulated space from branding and marketing in the alcohol industry, it was pretty easy for me to sort of navigate those challenges, you know, having to design in a in a regulated area. So switched over to cannabis in 2015, we're designing through, uh, you know, black market through legalization, launched our own brand in 2018 uh, called Fog and Tree. And it's um, because Humboldt County is known for its fog and big ass trees. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how we got our name. Paying, you know, tribute to Northern California and, and where we were located at the time and the cannabis culture at that time, you know, Murder Mountain and the Emerald Triangle and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, and we wanted to create a brand that we could sell broad market, but didn't, we didn't just want to be a CBD brand. You know, we, we sort of saw on the horizon how that could quickly become saturated. And, and we knew being traditional you know, branders and marketers that we needed a little bit more meat to our brand in order to be able to differentiate uh, from the mass. So yeah. clients of ours had given us a little vial of cannabis terpenes, and uh, we were actually smoking pot one day mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, being in the industry and smelled the terpenes. And I said, gosh, you know, why isn't anybody doing anything with these? Right. I mean, they just, the smell, it, it's so magical. Yeah. And yeah. it's very potent. So started to do a lot of research around terpenes and found that they are legal throughout the whole United States. And mm -hmm. and they do have aromatherapy benefits, you know, with the there's uh, linalool and myrcene and limonene and all of those terpenes have different benefits, you know, olfactory benefits. So so we created a fragrance. <laughs> we created a yeah. cannabis fragrance using cannabis terpenes. And that was our first product we launched in December of 2018 on the Touch of Modern platform. And we sold 133 bottles in about five days. So we said, uh, you know, this has a little bit of legs. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, we produced more products. We've <laughs> grown our direct-to-consumer channel. We participated in an accelerator through Canopy Boulder. Yeah, so it's it's been quite the journey with Fog and Tree. Oh, I can imagine. I'm curious... Uh, you know, you, so on the one hand, you had the experience of launching, you know, 100 brands in cannabis already. But I'm wondering what, you know, how that prepared you for launching your own brand. And, and then maybe what you, you know, didn't quite realize or what maybe what you learned actually having to do it yourself. <laughs> what were the kind of the, the things that were different about doing it yourself versus having done it for other people? Sure. So, you know, when you do it for other people, it's really easy to sort of find the holes and see what they're doing wrong, right? And, mm -hmm. and we would see things like poor cash flow management 
in an industry where cash isn't necessarily readily available. Or we would see skew proliferation. You know, people would just want to pump out skew after skew after skew. And what happens is it weighs really heavily on your business when you're having to sink a lot of your money into that inventory, right? So we saw a lot of mistakes and, and I said to my co-founder, look, you know, we're running a successful business now. I think that we can do this on our own and do it better than, you know, what most of our clients are doing. So, you know, we were super cocky and, uh, <laughs> and since then uh, have been met with a number of challenges, uh, including a pandemic and a recession, yep. which, you know, and, and sort of the dying world of retail. So, it's been interesting. It's It's been a big learning curve. You know, we've had to pivot to a lot of direct-to-consumer marketing right now because a lot of the retailers aren't really open. So I've learned a ton about, you know, digital marketing, filling your funnel uh, okay. when it comes to, to marketing to consumers. You know, how do you get those conversions? What are the different touch points? How many touch points you have to have? You know, what's your consumer lifetime value? I mean, all of this stuff you sort of learn in, in the digital marketing world. And I think at the end of the day, it's it's a blessing because it's really just going to strengthen our brand for the long haul. So, yeah. yeah. And let's talk about the brand. How, like, what was your process? What were your decisions? What's your target, you know, kind of customer, target client in, in the work that you're doing right now? Tell us a little about that strategy, how you've developed it. Sure. So, you know, we had originally launched and we had a very clear vision of, of who our consumers would be. You know, we are definitely looking at people in the millennial age group. They represent 30% of the population and they have a collective spending power of about $1.4 trillion. Did a lot of research on millennials. They are the most frequent users of fragrance in the U.S. by age group. And they are also the most frequent users of recreational cannabis in the U.S., by age group. So we knew that there would be lower barrier to entry there and less education required for that consumer. So, you know, we, we, after identifying our consumer, we sort of knew we weren't fragrance experts, right? Like we're branding and marketing experts, not necessarily Mm -hmm. fragrance experts. So we have signed on a strategic advisor. Her name is Mindy Yang. She's the CEO for the perfumery in New York, which is, it's a fragrance incubator and a fragrance experience studio, if you will. And she's also the uh, co-founder for the Indie Fragrance Guild. So she's been doing a lot of work with us to sort of hone our messaging and, you know, help with fragrance marketing. And we also have on our board of advisors, our fragrance supplier, our material supplier, which is they specialize in natural fragrance. So our products are 100% all natural, which again, resonates with that millennial consumer. They want clean products. They want transparent labeling, sustainability. So we have a big sustainability mission with our products where everything is, you know, we use compostable sampling bags. We use wood tops that have been sustainably harvested. And then we also have a give back. Uh, We donate a portion of our proceeds to the wildfire relief fund that helps the victims of uh, California wildfires and and the families of those victims. Because, you know, having lived in Northern California, seeing the devastating wildfires, it's really rough. So we're blessed to, to be able to give back to that cause. 
So. Yeah, I've I've had to be out in California a couple of times. I've seen the fires firsthand. It's uh, it's really devastating for many of those communities. And the communities, right? The farms, yeah. the people who live yeah. there. You know, people who have had homes for many years that have now been relocated. So, I mean, entire. I think at one point, an entire on Paradise Ridge was wiped out. The whole yeah. community. It's so we yeah. we try to do our part. But. Oh, I'm sure. That's good work. Um, and tell me, so, I mean, these, these are natural oils that you're, are you extracting them from hemp plants, from marijuana plants? What's, what's your, what's your source? What's your processing look like? Sure. So we, um, we get our cannabis terpenes from an accredited genetics company out of Humboldt County, California, that uh, mm-hmm. used to be a client of ours back in the design days. And they, they have to be hemp terpenes because okay. that's what makes it federally legal. Unfortunately, okay. Even though terpene compounds themselves are legal, if we extract them from a federally illegal plant, it... Oh, interesting. So even if there's no THC in it, if it's extracted from a marijuana plant, that it's illegal? Correct. Got it. So it has to be extracted from a hemp plant. They grow full sun, organic hemp and and marijuana plants. Um, But, you know, legally they have all their permits and they use a steam distillation process to harvest the hemp terpenes. Um, So they don't use any chemical extraction. It's all uh, extracted through steam. Got it. Yeah. And given that these are botanicals and, you know, are, are kind of coming from living plants, how do you deal with the whole kind of shelf life, you know, keeping them fresh, uh, you know, or, or fully potent over time. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of the terpenes degradate or, you know, have, have shelf lives and, you know, are affected by temperature and exposure and things like that. How do you make sure that the, the, the end product is going to be, you know, the highest quality possible? Sure. I don't think that, you know, degradation is our largest issue because our fragrances aren't solely made out of cannabis terpenes. I mean, that would be, uh, first of all, very expensive. Uh, cannabis yeah. terpenes are about six thousand dollars for one ounce bottle um (laughs) you know so we don't use enough in our product that it would that it would cause it you know to be um unstable but the tricky thing about terpenes is the fact that you have to harvest them in very specific ways in order to create a consistent scent profile so they have to be grown the plants have to be grown in the same soil for every harvest, Uh meaning the same fertilizer, same soil conditions, right? And then the terpenes have to be extracted at the same life cycle of the plant every time because terpene profiles change in a plant throughout its life cycle. Um, You know, obviously terpenes are meant to deter predators and attract pollinators. And depending on the stage of the plant, it's doing those things, you know, at different times. So the company we use, the the terpene company, they've sort of nailed that science down and they've gotten really good at knowing sort of when to harvest and how to grow the plants to get a consistent scent profile. Yeah. 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 And and from a kind of portfolio, product portfolio point of view, like uh, how do you see this playing out? Do you have other kind of formulations or profiles that you're going to develop over time? Is this, you know, I guess is product strategy around you know, creating the kind of aromatherapy <laughs> product or, or is this other uses of terpenes? I mean, how, how do you see these kind of your product strategy playing out over time? Sure. So we are, you know, beyond just, uh, 
putting cannabis terpenes into a fragrance, Mm -hmm. we do have a brand strategy, right? So all of our fragrances are meant to be experiential and they transport you to a time and space in California. So our initial scent we call Redwood Coast and that transports you to like a mystic redwood forest in uh, Northern California. So it has really musky or beige um, sort of woodsy smell Mm -hmm. with, uh, we call it fresh coastal fog, heart notes. And then it just has uh, hemp as a top note. So it's woodsy, it's spicy, it's it's very mystical, right? Our second scent, which we just released last month is called Valley Bloom. Valley Bloom pays tribute to like a super bloom in the Central Valley area, specifically San Luis Obispo, which Mm -hmm. is still very coastal, but they have a lot of like citrus groves. And so we imagined, you know, taking a road trip in California and rolling down your window in the Central Coast and you smell a little bit of the sea, but you also smell citrus, eucalyptus, roses, which tend to be grown along citrus plants. Uh, so it has has more of those floral notes. And then for the new year, we just released a new product called Smudge, which is a smokeless smudge spray. So mm-hmm. you know what smudging is, right? No. Okay. Educate us, yeah. <laughs> so smudging is, you know, when you get those sage bundles and you burn them? To, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. To cleanse space of negative energy, right? Yep. Um, So our smudge spray is a smokeless smudge spray, and it uses all the same botanicals. Yeah, all the same botanicals you would in a smudge. So it has the sage, lavender. We put a little bit of bergamot in there, and then it has cedar, as well as our cannabis terpenes. So our um, whole campaign is sort of to spray 2020 away. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you guarantee that it has the same (laughs) negative energy removable effect as, as burning real sage? No, I, you know, it's the, it's the aromatics, right? So it's all about using those terpenes, you know, cause can, it's, it's not just cannabis, right? It's cedar yeah. and sage and all those other aromatherapy benefits that help to cleanse your space of negative energies. So yeah, yeah so we just released smudge and, uh, it should be a good product for us and, and we'll probably do uh, a couple more fragrances next year. I'd like to do one that's a tribute more to Southern California, you know, maybe mm-hmm. some, uh, more desert smells yeah we'll see how that goes that'll probably yeah. be on the docket for next year so i love it and and how how do you envision you know folks using these scents i mean what's what's the is this uh you know special occasion is this every day what's the use case you know millennials are they are the most frequent users of fragrance but they're also using fragrance in formats that are untraditional to sort of what you remember fragrance to be, right? Mm -hmm. Like it used to be your mom would buy your dad a bottle of cologne every Christmas. And that bottle would sort of last him through the year and he'd spray it on himself for special occasions. With millennials, what we're finding is they um, aren't using the sprays as much, right? Mm -hmm. They like the rollerball travel size formats Mm -hmm. um, that they can take with them. They, they like smaller sizes, so they can experiment with layering or all kinds of different fragrances they like to experiment. And they also use household fragrance a lot more. So candles, room sprays, yeah. you know, room diffusers, those are all really a huge growing category, especially right now with everybody working from home and, you know, they might be sitting next to their cat litter box or something, right? And so they 
want to be able to have a nice spelling space, right, with more virtual working. It, you know, it's interesting. My uh, uh, my wife is a millennial, and we've been working at home now for a couple of months, and and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, what's that smell?" And I would go into the other room, and there'd be a candle burning. And I, I was like, "This is kind of nice. <laughs> I, sh- I should have done this years ago." <laughs> exactly. You start to find candles popping up in all your different uh-huh. rooms, right? So yeah, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um, and how, I mean, I, I, you know, you're taking a really interesting kind of angle to the cannabis industry, you know, in terms of, you know, not this non-THC approach to things. I mean, how, how do you see sort of the, 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 I guess I'll call it the THC market, you know, kind of the, the spread of cannabis and in, in the medical and that will use impacting you? Is this, is this making kind of cannabis more appealing? Is this completely independent? I mean, how do you relate or how do you feel you relate to the cannabis industry overall? So, you know, the other thing we thought of when we were trying to develop a product is we wanted to create something that everyone could share in the cannabis experience, right? Even if you live in like Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Right, which is so far from cannabis legalization, but yeah. but you're you're young and you want to participate in the movement and you don't necessarily want to get high, but you want you want to own something that's cannabis, right? Yeah. To say look at me, I'm participating. So, I feel like our products are introducing consumers to cannabis in ways that don't include ingesting or smoking and it's something that they can feel cool and feel like they're really able to participate in the movement. So as cannabis becomes more popular and, and, you know, they just legalized like four more states. Yeah. Amazing. Um, You know, so here's hoping eventually we'll be able to bank one day. Um, (laughs) You know, even that's difficult. But I think that right now it's, it's very segmented into like you have your THC products that get you high. They are illegal in some markets you have your cbd products they don't get you high and that's it like those are your segments which is weird because there's a you know compounds in the cannabis plant we've sort of isolated these two and created these two different markets out of it so once legalization occurs i think there's going to be a it's going to become decentralized right and you're Mm -hmm. not going to have the cbd market and the thc market anymore you're just going to have the cannabis market And you're going to see a lot of these other cannabinoids coming into play, like CBG and CBN and, you know, THCA and THCV and, you know, all these other sort of compounds and terpenes, right? All these compounds that are supposed to work synergistically that we're isolating, right? So uh, it's definitely going to grow. I mean, the cannabis-infused beauty space in 2016 was worth about... I think it was $5 billion. And by 2026, they estimate that the cannabis-infused beauty market is going to grow to be $18 billion market. So uh, it's going to be pretty big. And and I think that there's a lot of research that we still haven't done, right? I mean, it's been illegal. So Mm -hmm. universities and different researchers haven't been able to get their hands on material to even study. So I think a lot of research is going to come out about terpenes and cannabinoids. I mean, they were even testing it with COVID. They found that when they combine CBD with terpenes and the two acted synergistically together, that they reduced inflammation in COVID patients three times greater than using steroids. So, I mean, it's fascinating, right? There's so many things we don't know about this plant. So, you know, we're super excited to be in the space. And I think that the more terpene research we have, it's just going to help strengthen our products and 
yeah, it's an, it's an exciting world for sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and how, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the issue with banking. I mean, I guess what else has come up given that, I mean, I guess how, how have you been impacted by sort of the cannabis issues around banking and taxes and things like that? Like where, where do you fall given that you're, you are focusing on hemp, but you know, there's still drama around that. What, what's actually come up for the business? Well, I mean, we've had everything come up, but when we owned our design studio, we had our bank account shut down. We had, and they didn't just shut down our bank account. They shut down our personal accounts and our personal credit cards as well, because they, we were helping cannabis manufacturers (laughs) put their product into regulation packaging. (laughs) You know, it's so bizarre, but we were aiding and abetting, right? So we've had our bank account shut down. We've had our credit card processor shut down. We've had to get high-risk credit card processing, which we now have. Even being a hemp company, you're required to get high-risk credit card processing. And um, you can't get a business loan. So you have to do a lot of fundraising and and a lot of cash flow management because you don't want to run out of that cash, right? So it's made us better at cash flow management. Sure. And it's made us respect that money a little bit more, knowing that, you know, we can't necessarily just go to a bank and get more, right? So, yeah, I always say that the best business people when it comes to cash flow management come out of the cannabis space. (laughs) Yeah, no, because it's it's lifeblood. You you can't, you can't function without it. Yeah, yeah. And we have to do a lot of fundraising, you know, which is never fun. And always a challenge, you know, particularly being a female in the space and considering that, you know, they got like 3% of the global investment capital in 2018. I mean, it's just silly. So, and why, I mean, I'm I'm just kind of curious, like, what have you seen? Like, how how does that play out? Is it uh, access to getting the meetings? Is it not taken seriously by, you know, the people who have the money? How does this, you know, what are the dynamics that you've seen in the, in the capital circles? Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of different experiences. I have, you know, gone to sort of fundraising events, and it's all men, you know, so I'm definitely the minority. And a lot of them, it's more of a paternal discrimination. It's almost like looking at me and and I've had the comments of like, this is your company. How old are you? You know, you're so young, but you get those types of comments where it's almost like they view you as their daughter, right? So it's difficult to instill that sort of trust that you're not going to go spend all of their money. So I've I've run up against that. But the biggest thing that I've found is that women and men just talk differently. (laughs) Yeah, they do. You know, men are, they want very concise three-word answers, right? Like, what's your distribution strategy? Boom. You know, how are you going to make money, right? Like, it's very straightforward, to-the-point questions. And if you spend too much time answering it, you get it wrong, right? Uh, Yeah, undermines their confidence, yeah. Exactly. You just have to be really, really, really short, right? Whereas women talk very differently, right? When you talk to a female investor, when it's a woman-to-woman, we do a lot of this, right? We do a lot of talking and getting to know each other. Can I trust you? Can I not trust you? You know, it's more relationship-based as opposed to fact-based. So it's it's having to learn how to shift that tone and what to say and how to answer questions. That takes a lot of training, you know? Yeah. It's hard, so. Yeah, you know, uh, hopefully we 
sort of equalize the 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 calculator the the ratios here and and we get more women founders and and more women investors how how do you think that's going to change the industry you know in, in general but within cannabis specifically um you know cannabis one of the many reasons why I went into the cannabis space is I saw a lot of opportunity for women right and yeah. it's really promising like a lot of our clients from the design days the women were the CEOs and the husbands were the farmers, right? And it's because they were family businesses. So you had these families who were farming for many generations, illicitly, raising children in that environment and living in these rural areas, right? And then legalization hit and these farmers were expected to be businesses, right? So you had the moms being put into these CEO positions because they've always run the household. They've always sort of taken care of the children and paid the bills and run the house, whereas the men were the farmers. So it was really promising in the beginning. I saw a ton of female leaders, a ton of female CEOs, a ton of women creating brands. And now it's sort of distilled out, you know, now that more and more capital has come into play, you get a lot more investment bankers who are taking over these companies and the women are sort of being phased out again. And that's really discouraging. But at the same time, it motivates me to continue my journey, to be able to say, I'm not going to get phased out. I'm going to stay strong. I'm going to be a female leader in the future, right? Because that's my goal. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's an ever-changing landscape. And, and I wish that there were more diversity just overall, but, yeah. you know, it's what it is. Yeah, so, well, work to be done. Yeah. To be done <laughs> There's a lot future. more yeah. work to be done, uh, for sure. Yeah. But. Liz, this has been a pleasure. If people want to learn more about you, about the products, the work that you're doing, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, well, you can go to our website, fogandtree.com. We are doing a crowdfunding raise right now through MicroVentures. So I have an invest tab on my website that you can click on and learn more about our campaign if you're interested in supporting really innovative cannabis brand that's had great traction, by the way. We didn't mention that our products are in Fred Siegel, they're in Sac Salon, we're on the Gromit, which is owned by Ace Hardware. We just added seven new retailers last quarter so i mean we're killing it with the you know getting into retail and and direct to consumer sales is growing it's it's been great so go to our website click on the invest tab if you're interested in investing you can also reach me direct at liz at bogantry.com if you're uh, interested in collaborating we're all always looking to do that yeah that's Perfect. where you'll find us. I'll make sure that the links and information is in the show notes so people can click through that information. Perfect. And, and if people sign up for our newsletter, they'll get 35% off their first order so they can try Fog and Tree products for themselves if you want to know what a cannabis fragrance smells like. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check it out. Yeah. Excellent. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Bruce. It's been lovely. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.